My purpose in life is to leave my dent in the universe in absolutely everything I do, as well as to inspire and help others do the same. For someone to leave their dent in my life is a privilege. For me to leave my dent in someone else's life is an honor. But to inspire and help others leave their own dent in the universe is an indescribable feeling. I plan on doing this through this podcast by celebrating my guests and inspiring my listeners, all while leaving my own dent in the universe and helping others do the same. My name is Fer Andrade, and this is Denting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Denting. Today, I have a very special guest, someone that has been very anticipated on this podcast. I'll tell you why right now. Maya Bordes, how are you? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be here today and finally get to do this. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, this podcast episode is special for a few reasons. I, I mean, there's a few stories behind this of how we met and things like that, but also because of you knowing my story as well, which right. is different. Like many, well, not many, most of my guests just don't know my story or how this podcast started and you do know it. So before right. we dive into those stories, do you want to introduce yourself for those that may not know you? Yeah, of course. So my name is Maya Bordas. I'm a senior here at UC Berkeley and I'm on the women's gymnastics team. And I had the privilege of mentoring Fernando um, to get into Haas. So yeah, yeah, that's part of the, of the storytelling. So Let's see. I've never started a podcast with storytelling, but there's a bit that you don't know, which would be interesting. So you mentioned Haas right now. You were my mentor for the applications. Um, basically, I, I remember where I was. We were at OSU competing, and I remember it was Halloween because the applications opened up the day after. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I need to figure out season two for the podcast. I have my list. I'm going to start DMing people. And you were on that list, and I DM you, and everything's fine. I go to breakfast, an hour later, I check my phone, and I have a message from Alicia, Alicia Wilson, and she tells me, hey, your mentor's going to be Maya Bordas. Text her at this number. And I was like, oh, crap, because I I just DM'd you, and now I have to text you about Haas, and it it was going to be uncomfortable because I didn't know if you wanted to do the podcast or not. And I was like, all right, we'll, we'll see what happens. But you replied on both. It worked out, and... I think it's even better now that we know each other. Yeah, no, I definitely think it's great that we have some background coming in. It makes me less nervous because I already kind of know you. But, um, yeah, talking, like, just speaking on that, I remember seeing it in my DMs and then thinking, wait, that name sounds really familiar. And then I went to go check, and I was like, oh, he's my mentee. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that that was interesting. And then um, with that list that I told you about, this podcast started, I started recording in May. Um, and I created a big list of Cal athletes that I wanted to interview and things like that. And tying it into another story, I am a big fan of your team, actually. Um, so I, am I. Yeah. <laughs> so um, many sports that are offered here, I've never witnessed in person. Um, that's why I enjoy following like sports like track, swimming, and obviously gymnastics as well. And I remember coming in freshman year and I'm like that's going to be so sick I've never watched gymnastics in person I want to do that for sure nobody wanted to go with me with my (laughs) friends from freshman year and I was like all right I'll go to one by myself and I went to the Utah meet here 
and then everything got canceled because of the yeah. pandemic. So that was unfortunate. But I followed I followed your team along, um, and obviously I knew about everything you did last season, yeah. which we'll talk about later. But your name was like high up on the list, so definitely very anticipated episode <laughs> since then. Um, but diving into those stories through the podcast. I guess we can start out with how you got to Cal um, and your background story, like before Cal, how you got into gymnastics. I know that um, you got into it at around like five years old because one of your yeah. friend's mom recommended it to yeah. your parents, right? Yeah, I did. So basically when I was little, I was just always full of energy, trying to get into something, hanging off of furniture. So my parents were pretty much done with me and yeah. they needed to find an outlet for my energy. And they were tired of wondering if I was going to fall out of the tree and break an arm, like climbing a tree in the backyard. So uh, one of my friend's parents said, you should put her in gymnastics. And my parents were like, okay. So... They took me to the gym, and I loved it, you know, just a perfect outlet for all that energy that I had. Um, I loved just, you know, playing around the foam pit, stuff like that. But at first it started out as, like, mommy and tot classes, stuff like that, nothing serious. And I actually quit, like, twice, so... Why? Um, just because I think when I was little, I didn't like the structure of it, and I didn't want to be told I have to do this and that, and so I tried a lot of other sports. I actually tried soccer, and I quit because I sweat too much, is what I told my dad. <laughs> so, yeah, soccer wasn't for me. I tried swimming. I actually really liked swimming, but then there came a point, obviously, where I was spending so many hours a week swimming and then gymnastics, and it was just getting to be too much, so my parents were like, look, you're going to have to choose swimming or gymnastics and you know at the swim meets I was always doing gymnastics on the side so I'm like probably this one probably aligns more with my passion so I chose gymnastics I got back into it um and I just like really fell in love with the sport and just the people along with the sport and I think that all of my teammates and everyone who's been a gymnast can speak to this you just learn so many life lessons through the sport and that's similar with all sports I guess but that's kind of how I got into it yeah, and why, what brought you, like, back to gym? Because you mentioned you quit twice, so why did you keep coming back to it? Yeah, honestly, my friends, because they'd be like, well, we're still going to gym. Sorry, we can't. We have gym. So I'm like, ah, well, I guess I just have to do it again. And, and were you not sweating in gym, or what was the case well, then? Well, I think the reason that I sweat so much in soccer, that's, like, I don't know. That's embarrassing that that's why I quit now, looking back on it. But, um... I lived, I lived in Texas, so it'd be, like, in the summer, in the heat. I, I was in, like, a summer league, so it was just, like, 105 degrees, and we're, like, running around in these huge, like, jerseys because they don't fit us. We're so small, and I just wasn't a fan of it. In the gym, you know, it's air-conditioned and everything. I'm still breaking a sweat. Like, yeah. I'm still working out, but it's nothing like soccer where you're out in the heat and the elements. Yeah, no, I... I completely forgot about Texas, and I've played in Texas before. Yeah, and awful. Yeah, not, not that fun. Um, growing up, I think it was by middle school where you got way more focused into gym. Yeah. That, was that when you decided between swimming and, and gym? No, actually, it was at the end of elementary school, so I guess like kind of around that time frame, but... Um, middle school is definitely where I knew that I was starting to get serious and really making space for it in my life because, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices that come with being a high-level athlete, especially in gymnastics. Um, I would have to adjust my school schedule, so I didn't have a lunch, and I would go, like, six straight periods so that I could leave early for practice. So I would, you know, wake up at 
7 a.m. and then I'd go to school for the day. I'd get out at like 2.30 and then I would eat and I would go straight to the gym for like four or five hours and then come home, do my homework. It was honestly a very rigorous schedule and I thought that coming to college would be so much harder because you know it's college but honestly I have so much more free time now in my schedule with the 20-hour limit a week than I did when I was in club gymnastics in high school. Yeah that is that obviously plays a huge role I, I saw through one of the articles that you guys were training like 21 hours a week at a younger age and I can imagine that it only yeah. goes up with high school and things like that um, but that's also one of the reasons why I admire this sport so much um, and like I said it's a shame that I wasn't really exposed to it in high school not to participate but just to watch because I have read books or watched movies or documentaries about gymnastics and, and other sports and it's like so awesome to see the level of dedication that is required yeah. to be able to compete and, and all that and it's it's amazing. Um, I saw that, I mean, as the years went by, you got pretty good at it. Um, 2016, you were seventh all around at the Junior Olympics. And then 2017, you came back and all around champ. Um, so what, what were those experiences like? Um, Two-time Texas champion as well. So what was, what, like, what was that next step in your, in your gymnastics career between, all right, I like it, I'm starting to compete more in, high, in middle school, and then... I think this was in high school, right? The junior yeah, Olympics. Yeah, yeah, that was in high school. So, honestly, the middle school years where I really started giving up like all this stuff just so that I could do my sport and it started testing me. I um Sorry, I'm taking like a little bit of a different path. No worries. <laughs> Tell no you a little bit of background. But I was actually injured for three years straight in middle school. I had a cast on my leg each year of middle school. Wow. So I was kind of at this point where I was like, I don't know if this is worth it. Like I'm watching all these people have like, you know, the normal high school experience. They get to go hang out with their friends after school. Um, go to like dances stuff like that and I just kind of felt like is this really worth it like you're in a cast and for gymnastics to be recruited you need to be a level 10 for at least like I feel like on average at least like four years prior to like being well I don't I don't know how to put this so I think like for example my teammate like Nev I'm pretty sure she was like a level 10 for like six years or something I hadn't even gotten to level 10 by the time I entered high school so I was feeling pretty discouraged and I didn't know if I was going to have those opportunities and if I wasn't going to go to college for gymnastics why would I even be like putting myself through this but I think I really had to decide whether I was going to do it and if I was I needed to put all my effort into it and I decided I wanted to so my um, freshman year, I was still level nine, so I was already behind the game. And then that summer, I went to a bunch of college camps, stuff like that, really got prepared, really expanded my skill set so that by the time 2016 came around, I was really able to go out there and just like show everybody what I'd been working on. And I was able to go to nationals and qualify as a first year level 10, which was really something that I was proud of for myself and my coaches were very proud too. Um, and then the next year, I just had like even more time to prepare. And I went into, well, I was actually committed to another school when I went into um, the 2017 Nationals. Okay. Yeah, and so basically what happened with that is they had a coaching change, and I wasn't very sure if I had a spot on that team already. So I was going into the competition kind of anxious because, you know, you, for like, before they put in other rules in place, they recruited very early, 
like you knew where you were going freshman year of high school and for me I decided junior year because I was late on the game I was definitely a late bloomer in gymnastics terms so I was like dang well I don't know if I even have like a scholarship anymore and I was freaking out and my coach was like well maybe it's time to open up your mind to other decisions so we he put my name under Cal's radar they were at nationals and all the pieces came together and I was able to um, secure first place all around, which was a really cool experience. Even cooler because my now teammate, Milan Clausi, I actually tied with her. And no yeah, so, and at the time I didn't know we were gonna be future teammates. I didn't even know she was committed to Cal. And I got the call from, you know, Justin Howell and he offered me and he said, um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of, you know, the girl who was standing on the podium with you, she would be your like future teammate. So I think that's really cool just looking back on it. But I definitely had like a sense of like imposter syndrome. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Where I never really felt like I was that good. Even after like all like all the accolades that I received like in the later half of high school, just because of like where I came, I guess, and like I just never really felt like I was that good. And so that just felt crazy to me to be able to say that I had won nationals. That's an awesome story. <laughs> yeah. Um so I do know Milan. We were just talking about the the freshman seminar, and she's also a peer advisor yeah. there. So that's how I met her. Shout out Milan. Um, <laughs> but that's that's really cool. What what kept you going? Like going back into the the whole process with having a cast for three years in a row, and yeah, I mean being a level ten for six seven years before all that. What made you believe that you were going to be capable of doing this? If all the odds or the social norms in the world of gymnastics were against you. Right. So, um, yeah, so I was only a level 10 for, like, three years or something. But, like, I think what kept me going was honestly just, like, envisioning myself as, like, a little girl and, like, this was always my dream. You know, initially I wanted to go to the Olympics and stuff like that. And then as I got older, adjusting those dreams to just going to college gymnast like going to compete for a college gymnastics team and I just like didn't want to let like my younger self down and I knew how much that I had sacrificed just to be in the position that I was even if it wasn't where I wanted to be so I just didn't want to give up on myself really and then looking around like maybe I didn't believe in myself but I knew my parents did and like my coaches did so that gave me some sense of confidence you know if they believe in you then like you should believe in yourself yeah no, that, that's that's awesome, and uh, I'm glad it all played out that way because I know how hard it is for for level ten, not obviously through through experience or proper gym understanding, but I've heard of like, yeah, reaching level ten and how hard that is. But yeah. what what is the process of jumping to the next level within right. gym terms? So um, when you're little, you there's like a th I think you start out at level like three and then four, five, six, and those are like compulsory, that's what they call them. And then you become an optional. Of course, I'm recalling when I was in gymnastics and club gymnastics, they've kind of changed the system since then, so I don't know if that's still like that, but then you would become an optional. There's seven, level seven, level eight, level nine, level 10. And level 10 is like the highest level in like that realm of gymnastics but you know when you see like Simone Biles on TV they're elite gymnasts so there's a whole separate qualification that you have to go through to become an elite and to like just give you some sort of reference to understand kind of the level of elite gymnastics um, like a typical level 10 floor routine will have three passes and the passes each have like an allotted 
value to them, like A, B, C, D, E, and like E is the hardest for women's gymnastics typically. And uh, as a level 10, it's crazy if you can do like one E pass, that's great. And you only have three passes. For elite gymnastics, they'll have like four E passes and four passes in one routine. So it's just like the skill set is like much higher. Um, there's more skills and of course they train so much more and they really have to dedicate their entire life to the sport and it's crazy because a lot of my teammates were elites before coming to college which again you know coming into a program where a lot of the people were elites before and I like feel like I barely made it to level 10 that was kind of intimidating but um it kind of helps, you know, just being surrounded by people who are so great at what they do. It really inspires you to be better yourself. And so that's something that I really liked about Kyle as soon as I got here. So instead of it intimidating you, did you, did you feel like it helped you out just to become better yourself? Oh, for sure. Like, definitely at first I felt a little bit like, oh, my gosh, like everybody here is so good. I feel like I barely made it here, even though, like, maybe if you looked at, like, just paper, like and you saw that that I won nationals and you might think like why would you think that but just like being surrounded by so many people so many who have so many accomplishments like um when I came in Tony Ann Williams was on my team um she was she went to the Olympics for Jamaica and she had like all these other accolades like um you know Pac-12 gymnast of the week stuff like that all of these things so I think just coming in I felt like I didn't I might not get a chance to compete and I might not make a lineup so I knew that I was gonna have to put in a lot of work yeah 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 that, that's awesome there's a little phrase that I have here on the podcast that I pretty much repeat a lot at this point but it's study the greats to one day become one and it's exactly what you're saying in the sense of instead of intimidating uh, having that intimidation of being surrounded by so many great people Instead, use it to your favor. You know, right. it's similar to um, you're the average of the five people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe that, but <laughs> when it comes to your own craft, if you surround yourself with people that are better better than you, not automatically, but most likely you're going to become better yourself for it. So right. that's really awesome that that worked out that way. Yeah. Um, so you, you come to Cal, and your freshman year, you competed all around, right? So that is, I mean... That's a great start from my understanding. And I mean, yeah. I feel like many freshmen will compete in certain events, but all around, uh, you competed all around. You had four event titles, nine top three finishes. Um, you made appearances at the NCAA regionals and had a third place in, in bars, uh, career high in vault at that same event. And even another career high before that in Pac-12 uh, championships in uh, vault as well. So you were performing under pressure. You were performing all around as a freshman. How was that experience for you just coming in? I think, honestly, I have to say I'm so grateful for that experience because, as I said before, coming in, I did not expect to make a lineup, which sounds crazy saying that now, but I really didn't. Like, I was just looking around, like I said, and I was like, there's no way. I'm going to have to work so hard. And I did, and I put that work in. And I feel like a lot of it had to do with the trust that my coaches had in me. And they would constantly... Like, for example, my first meet freshman year, I don't know if you came across that in your research, but I... The beam? Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I was last on beam, and we were at LSU, and there were thousands of fans, you know, before COVID, and I remember just being so nervous, and I was shaking before even touching the beam, and I got up there, and it was my first skill, and split it in front of everybody, and I just hear everyone go, 
oh, and I'm like, oh no. And I crawled back up on the beam because I didn't want to like show that like I was giving up, I guess, but you don't get any points or any reward for staying on the beam. So looking back, I'm like, you could have just, you look dumb, but it's fine. Um, but so coming from that to the end of freshman year, just being able to finally break into all those lineups and become an all-arounder was very rewarding. Um, and I just, it's very different from club gymnastics because when you're competing in club, you're just competing for yourself, really. It doesn't really affect your teammates. Yeah, you're on a team. You might wear the same Leo, but what you do out there does not affect them. Collegiate gymnastics is completely different because, you know, you have six people up, five scores count, and, you know, so you just want to do the best that you can do so that you're total is the highest that it can be and so there's a lot of pressure going into it and I think that's one thing that I really struggled to um just kind of handle in college because I would feel that pressure so like immensely before I would compete I would just think oh if I fall like my team's going to be set back my coaches are going to be mad my teammates are going to be mad I'm going to let them down like it's going to and in club I just never thought of that aspect because it was just me out there I fall then I fell like that's on me but now I have like my team to worry about um not really worry about but just like I just want to do good for them you know yeah so um that was definitely a hard aspect to overcome but throughout competition after competition you know I was said I was like worried about my coaches being mad and like my that was never the case like I never fell and they and came down and they were like oh like you suck like we don't like you anymore like they always even now like we have this culture of someone falls like you still cheer for them like we know that everyone's like trying their hardest and like we also know that if you do fall your teammate has your back and they're ready to step in that's what they're there for so that was great and like I was put in so many positions where I felt like I was losing confidence in myself going through freshman year like just the beginning half because I struggled a lot with beam and just remaining consistent and there were a couple meets where I fell and I remember thinking why do they keep putting me in I keep falling like why (laughs) do they keep doing this there's so many other people who could do this but it was just because my coach Liz she really she believed in me and she trusted me and towards the end of the year I was getting like nine nines on beam and I was like wow maybe I should (laughs) have believed in myself more because I definitely did not see it so yeah. you've you've mentioned a few interesting things right now. Through high school, you kept going because your parents and coaches believed in you. Yeah. Right now, freshman year, you improved because the coaches believed in you. Right. What role do these mentors play in your entire life and confidence? And how important do you think that is in your development? Because at first, like you mentioned, it was an individual game. Yeah. But now, although there is a team to hold you accountable. There's also a team there to support you. Right. So what is that, uh, the importance of that moral support for you and where do you think you'd be without them? Okay, so to answer your first question about the role that my mentors, coaches, teammates play in my life, I think it's a huge role because, you know, there are times where I get down and I'm very critical of myself. And so it's really nice to just be reminded of my own capability through them and through their positive reinforcement because I don't ever feel like they think that I can't do something. Like, they're always there cheering me on, supporting me. So, like, how can you believe that you can't do it if they're all thinking that you can, you know? Um, And then as for, you asked about my teammates, right? Yeah, so you were competing in individual, at an individual level for Mm -hmm. club 
and now it's a team sport. So having those teammates cheering on you, I mean, I know that as a team culture in a way, I know it's probably common for all of women's gymnastics, but with you guys, you're always cheering on each other, whether it's at meets or even just at practice. Like yeah. when you're going through your routine, everybody's cheering and yelling for you. How important is that? And is that different compared to what you experienced at a club level before our college? I think that in club, we still like kind of practice that, like just cheering and daily practice. I feel like that's just like a part of the sports culture in general. Like you see your teammate going for a skill, you just cheer them on and support them. It's just like the natural thing to do. But I think that it's just really uplifting and um, like empowering, honestly, just having them on the sidelines and always knowing that they have your back and they're rooting for you. That's just really motivating, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, this is from a very ignorant point of view in a way but like in the olympics um which is all i watched like for women's gymnastics up until i got to college there seems to be like big egos for the people competing there um obviously like i know it's you mentioned that there's the elite level and the level 10 and it's just a different experience overall but is there that ego in women's gymnastics is it like the diva that some people are are played out to be like as a character or is it really you're all supporting each other you're all loving teammates I can speak I can only speak for my team and I can say like I can fully say that I don't think anyone on my team has an ego and that's so impressive because there's so many on people on my team like all Americans like we all went to nationals a bunch of people came out of high school as like junior olympic national champions and no one really walks around thinking like that they're better than anyone else nobody which is something that's so cool about our team and I can't say that like when I feel that when we go out to compete against other teams but of course there's the competition aspect so you're not I mean generally our team I feel like we love to like welcome the other components and be really friendly but not all teams like have that culture I feel like and I'm not trying to like brag on us and say like oh we're so different and like everything but I do think that's super cool about our team because I never like, even coming in, I didn't really feel intimidated. Well, I felt intimidated, like I said, but it wasn't because of the way that people, like, acted towards me or talked to me. It wasn't like I felt like, oh, wow, they're, like, so superior to me. I can't even, like, be in their presence. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome, and I'm sure it has to do, like, there, it's different on every team. Yeah. But that is something that stood out to me. Um this is going to get posted in like three more weeks, but I did see the interview that went up today. It was from Instagram Live with the, both of your coaches mm-hmm. today, and they said that, yeah, like no, uh, your coach Justin said, nobody has an ego on this team, and, and that just stood out to me because of the idea that I had with, yeah. with women's gymnastics, so that's, that's awesome. Um, moving on to your sophomore year, you improved a lot from that very first meet in, at LSU with the beam, and then finishing off as an all around and getting nine nines on on beam sophomore year you improved even more um two-time wcga regular season all-american second team for all around and bars pac-12 first team for all around and bars again and then pac-12 coaches choice award team most improved and second on your team with eight event titles and 16 uh top three finishes and the eight event titles came in in literally all four of the possible events. So that's awesome. What was that experience like for you? And obviously it got cut short, but overall, how was your sophomore year? What do you think made you bounce 
back in that way as to be the most improved gymnast on your team? I don't think I can pinpoint exactly what made me bounce back, but I think that it was just like a slow realization mm -hmm. that I was that good, that I can be that good. And I'm not even trying to say that in like a cocky way. Like I just started to come into believing that I could do the things that my coaches believed that I was capable and my teammates. So I really just felt confident in my skills, I feel like. And there wasn't as much of a sense of doubt before I competed. And I feel like when you go into something and you already know that you're capable, the result is always going to be so much better. Is yeah. there anything that you can pinpoint? If not, it's okay. But is <laughs> there anything you can pinpoint towards how you got rid of the imposter syndrome? Because what seems to be the difference through your responses is the imposter syndrome. You weren't yeah. doubting yourself anymore. You believed in yourself. Yeah. And that clearly made the difference. Obviously, you had a very great season. And, I mean, it shows through results and what your teammates and, and coaches thought for you to be the most improved. So... How do you get rid of that or what um, advice do you have for anyone that's going through the imposter syndrome? I feel like when you get to a place and it feels like, you know, maybe before a competition and everything just feels very emotional and maybe you're, you know, nervous, anxious about the meet. Um, I think for me, I just had to remind myself and reflect on like what I can control and like my training. Like I did all of this. There's no way that you're not prepared. And you just have to kind of rely on logic at that point and take the emotions out of it. Um, and just, again, like they all believe in you. Why don't, why wouldn't you believe in yourself? Yeah. Very stoic approach. Very <laughs> nice. Um, season got cut short, obviously yeah. the pandemic hit. What was that like? Because the pandemic affected everyone, but it literally ended the season for you guys right when you were headed to Pac-12s and NCAAs. So what was that shift like? You went from competing one week to everything being shut down the week after that. Yeah, that was crazy and extremely disappointing to say the least because, you know, we were on such an upwards trajectory and we were just kind of left with this like empty feeling of what could have been because we knew that we were doing so good and we could have, you know, made it to nationals. We could have, you know, placed first at um, regionals, stuff like that. And it was just, it was just like, just disappointing. I can't really <laughs> phrase it any other way. And I could see it on all my teammates' face, faces when they called us in and they told us that the season was over. They sent us home for two weeks and we were like, oh, we'll be back. Um, and they'll schedule nationals and stuff and we'll be on our way. And then when we got sent home and we were sitting at home, it was just kind of like, like it just felt like unfinished business yeah yeah obviously everyone was impacted by this all sports are impacted by this mm -hmm. but i feel like gymnastics is impacted in a very unique way because you need a gym yes. to be able to work out and and you don't have access to that wherever you go and it's an indoor space um caleb rickard was episode 10 of this podcast shout out to caleb and he mentioned how hard it was to go so many months without that training what was that experience like for you, especially because back home is Texas, so that's very different yeah. from California and all the rules. Were you in Texas the whole time, or, or where were you throughout the pandemic? I was in kind of a mixture of both, but um, to answer your question about how hard that was, that was extremely difficult. I had never, like, ever since I've been, like, I'm trying to think when my training got really rigorous, but, like, probably at age 10 on, like, I've never taken, like, more than a week off before the pandemic happened. So when the pandemic hit, you know, obviously the restrictions were pretty tight at first, so I couldn't get into a gym. So I was just doing kind of what I could, just like 
you know, going on walks, runs, like doing home workouts. And then Texas was a lot more lenient than California. So I was able to um, get into a gym at home, but it was very far. It was like a 45 minute drive. And like at home, I share my car with my sister and she has danced. So it was just kind of impractical. Um, so I only really went to that gym like twice. Don't tell my coaches that. <laughs> and over the whole pandemic, and which is not good at all for gymnastics because it's definitely a sport that you have to keep up with or you lose your skills very quickly and your strength and just like muscle. Muscle memory does come back, but the strength piece to it, if you don't have the strength and the fitness, it just it's very hard to get back in. So when I would come back to California, I did not have any gym to go to, which was very hard just because restrictions were very tight here during COVID. Um, Golden Bear, where we practiced, was not open. There was um, a point where I went to Newport to visit my teammate Natalie, and her home gym was open, so I did get to get in there like once. But over the whole pandemic, I think it was like seven months or something, I only went to the gym like four or five times, which is crazy. And obviously, if you go four or five times over seven months, like it's really like you didn't go at all. Yeah. There's no progress there. So when we came back into the gym, we were let in in October. It was like I was learning from day one. I was like, how are we going to get back into shape? Like, I feel like I'm starting gymnastics for the first time. I couldn't do a kip on bars, which I know that probably doesn't really have any um, meaning to you, but to try and um, explain. So it's like the most basic skill in gymnastics for bars. Like, you need it to do all your other skills, and it basically is just a way to get on the bar. I was going to say, isn't it when you pop up? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So you like you'll raise your toes to the bar, and then you like yeah. just raise the rest of your body up. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't do that, so I was like, okay, I can't even do the most basic part of a bar routine. And it was October, and right now, like we're in preseason. October is like you're heavy into preseason, and we couldn't do basic gymnastics, and I wasn't the only one, so it was just kind of scary. So what was the situation with other teams in the Pac-12? For example, Pac-12 men's soccer, there's only six teams. Five teams were training in the fall, and we were the only team that didn't train at all, and we went straight into it in January. I know you guys started as a team late October, mm -hmm. um, but was everybody else already training before you guys? There were definitely teams. That I know UCLA got into the gym before us. I'm not really sure about Stanford or the other Pac-12 schools, but I do know that we were probably the one of the latest teams to get back into the gym. So that was also kind of scary, just going into season, knowing that all your opponents have been preparing for so much longer than you. And not to mention have like the facilities that they have at their disposal are just so much more advanced and like updated. And I don't know if you've seen Golden Bear, but um, we're very grateful to have the gym, but it's just, like, in comparison to other Pac-12 teams and just, like, other gyms in the um, NCAA, it definitely does not measure up. But we honestly pride ourselves on that, that we were able to be that good um, and train in a gym like that. Yeah, so um, your gym is right next to our field. Yeah, um, right I've, under I, Yeah, I've never been to your gym, but obviously I've seen it in stories and things like that. And it does look a bit older, <laughs> yeah, to, to say, it is. Um, in comparison to, to other gyms. So I'm sure that plays a huge role. Um, you get in late October. Did you, what, what, was, what were the rules like? So you show up to Cal 
you guys like w- what were the rules that were set by the coaches or administration were you i think you were you guys were training and competing in masks right or no and yes we were the whole time in masks all right and housing situation what, what was that all like were you able to travel back home for the holidays did you stay here like take me through the period between late october and january yeah so we were very much in our own bubble um the rules were basically we could only see people who are were in our cohort or our house so for me i live with milan abby um, maya green so we basically could only technically see each other in our home without masks and we were expected to only hang out with them outside of the gym um and then in the gym since our team is so small we were kind of one cohort so we were able to do weights together and stuff like that we just had to keep our masks on at all times and remain six feet apart but we were told not to see any other friends on any sports teams, any other friends outside of athletics, um, even our family members. And if we did, we would have to remain masked and six feet apart outside, stuff like that. Um, we were not allowed to go home for Thanksgiving, which was like in a time period where, you know, all we could do, we woke up at, you know, 6 a.m. every day. We had practice from 7 to 10, and then we'll have like weights um, or spin outdoors for an hour after that. And then we'd just go home and do school and then go to bed and come back and we couldn't see anyone. So during that time period, I think it was really easy to just feel super discouraged and just be looking at, you know, other sports teams did other things differently. I know swim was very strict about like their um, protocols and policies regarding COVID. Um, I feel like we were pretty strict too, but there were other teams that like weren't as strict. So it was just hard seeing like that and knowing that like, people weren't being as restricted as us and it just felt like you know you just wake up and you go to practice and it's hard and it's cold and you can't see anyone else and then you go home and you do online school and you fall asleep and do it again what kept you going through that my teammates honestly (laughs) once in my cohort my housemates yeah yeah no that that must have been a hard experience in a way but it's also nice because after so many months you get to do that for example we weren't back until january yeah and um i mean i know there were people here on my team but as a team we weren't doing anything until january and once that came up obviously we were restricted to pretty much the same rules that you just mentioned and it was uncomfortable i remember being in here and it was like february or march and it like two to three months um into the season and i remember telling the guys like let's just go to a park somewhere because I'm just tired of being, I was on this desk in this room pretty much every hour of the day when I wasn't training or having a meal. And this was school. This was everything. I mean, I (laughs) I sleep right there and that was it. And I was like, Whoa, like I, it's it's literally depressing just to be here. And yeah, it, it must've been hard, but leading up to your junior season, it was definitely worth it. Oh yeah, Um, for sure. And I would say that like, my teammates like we're all going through it at the same time you know and we're the only people that we had in that like time so that really bonded us and really made our chemistry even stronger which i think really had a big impact on how we did as a team yeah that team culture seems special um something that your coach has mentioned today is that chemistry that you guys have that it's mm-hmm. probably one of the best chemistry chemistries they've seen last year's team was the best you guys have ever had in terms mm-hmm. of results and this year you guys have fifth years and a freshman class that is very open-minded those are their words i don't <laughs> know them um but what is that culture 
like? Like, for someone that doesn't know your team, how can you describe that chemistry and culture? Yeah, um, I just have to say I'm so grateful to be a part of my team, and I... I think about that every day because there's not one person on my team that I wouldn't like call up and be like, oh, can we go hang out? Or like, I just feel comfortable with every single person. And I feel like I'm genuinely friends with every single person. I think that's easier when you have a smaller team. Um, but it's just something that's really unique about our team. And I feel like for us, I feel like humor is like a big thing. Like no one ever really takes anything too seriously. And I feel like that was definitely helpful during those COVID months. Um, but I feel like we're just like, I mean, everyone's pretty lighthearted and you can always count on anyone on the team to be there for you and call up a friend. I need to write here or there. or You know, we're all always like just sending texts in the group chat. Does anyone want to go get pizza or something like that? It just they really, truly feel like a family. Yeah. And I'm not like it doesn't feel like anyone's a stranger on the team. How many people are, are on your team? Gosh. I don't know the exact number, but it's somewhere around 20. Okay, okay. Yeah. And something that's very interesting about your team right now, you mentioned family. Your coaches are married. Yeah. So that is like, I, I feel like maybe that may be common in gymnastics. Not sure, but I've seen it like on the national team and things like that. But for us, it's like we have one head coach, one assistant coach, yeah. and that's it. And you guys have, um, well, the couple, J- Justin and, and Liz. 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 Liz okay, yeah. yeah, I was going to say Lisa, but no, Liz. <laughs> um, as your coaches, and I mean, I'm, I don't, like I said, I don't know them. I don't know their personal situation. But in a way, it's like the married couple and their 20 kids in a way. <laughs> it, does that play a role, or is that just me imagining how it could be? I think it definitely does play um, a role. In club, actually, my coaches were married, too. Okay, so it is so, common. Yeah, it is common. Um, and I feel like that definitely brings, like, some sort of, like, family aspect to it. Of course, like, we, I feel like we created it ourselves, too, but they have definitely helped, like, shape and form that. And they um, kind of put an emphasis on, like, not only making us better gymnasts, but people in general. And they really, like, strive to support us in doing that which is really cool and I think when you're when you're having a hard day they'll always ask you you know what else is happening in your life like are you okay like mentally and I think that really helps not having the focus always be gymnastics of course like we want to be good and we want to get to nationals that's the ultimate goal but there is still space um for them to like you know check in on us and think about other things connect with other things and just talk to us like normal humans, which I think is really cool. And that's probably what has contributed to that culture. That's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, like from what you describe it, it is like as if they are a mother figure and a father yeah. figure and 20 sisters and then you all get along. And that's awesome to hear. And I mean, no, no wonder what came up afterwards um, this past spring happened. So to take everybody through this, um, individually, you had a great year, but as a team, you guys also had a great year. Individually, you brought home the first national championship for, for Cal um, in gymnastics. Uh, you did so in individually on bars with a 9.95. Um, WCGA first team All-American on bars. Pac-12 first team on bars, honorable mention all around. Um, what was that like? I know there's there's very nice and specific and unique and interesting stories about nationals. Yeah. But before that, what was that season like finally being able to compete after last season got cut short and you guys had such high expectations coming back? How was, how was that feeling? 
Um, I know I've said this a lot, but honestly, I was just grateful because, you know, we didn't know we were going to have a season. And after spending so many months in quarantine, only being able to see each other and just feeling like, like, you know, I was just kind of waiting for when is this going to pay off? And it did. And, it, and I don't regret it. But yeah, that was it was just crazy. It just felt so rewarding knowing that all the work that we put in um, in our short preseason and you know, all the aches and pains, all the times that, you know, we couldn't go home for Thanksgiving, it all paid off. Did, quick parentheses, did you guys go home for Christmas or we New did. Year's? Okay. We did get to go home for Christmas, okay. but um, we never get to go home for New Year's just because our season starts so early in January, so we have to be back for training and just to make sure, because for gymnastics, you can't really just hop into a meet after taking a week off. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing. You, you cannot do that at <laughs> yeah. all. And I know you guys start, like, January 8th this year, so... Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, with the... With, with your team situation, you guys played third uh, third place at the semifinals um, at NCAAs, and the way it works for semis is it's four teams and the top two pass. Mm-hmm. But you guys had a very interesting situation come up. Do you want to story tell on yeah, that one? Yeah, of course. That was a whirlwind. So basically, um, we get to nationals. Um, we're super pumped. We're in the locker room. We go out for warm-ups. And in gymnastics, you get a 30-minute open stretch period. So you'll do your general warm-up, just what you would think of when you think of stretching and, like, some basic tumbling, stuff like that, just to get you warmed up. And then you get 15 minutes on each event, vault, bars, beam, and floor. Um, we started on floor at nationals. And so we got all the way through our floor warm-up. We are on vault. We're vaulting. And all of a sudden, we get told that we need to stop and we need to go to the locker room immediately. And I remember looking at my teammates and just like being confused, like, why do we have to stop? And then it kind of hit me and I started thinking, oh, maybe it's because of COVID. And I got scared because I was like, oh, no, we came way too far for this. Because when we were at nationals, we were being tested about every day just to make sure that we had a negative test. And... um, so we're all in the locker room and our coaches gather us and they tell us we've been contract traced so we can't compete they told us we can't compete and that was devastating because just knowing that you know we put in all those hours like i said we went through preseason, and it just felt like we sacrificed so much we worked so hard and we really poured all of like our hearts and just our work into one thing and then it was just taken away from us like that. So we were all devastated and I remember looking around and seeing everyone's faces and that made me even more sad and there you know there were tears, some people were just like mad, you know, blank stares. And but I remember thinking like it's not over until it's over. And I didn't want to give up on and get into that mindset that we weren't competing if there was even a small chance that we could go back out there. So I remember like I don't remember who I told that, but I was like, it's not over till it's over. Like, we just have to wait and stay hopeful. And our, um, we got word about, I think it was 20 minutes after a bunch of calls that they were going to let us compete. And I remember being so happy. Everyone put their Leos back on, you know, wiping tears. <laughs> Everyone's running out on the floor. And at that moment, we, like, we didn't even care that we were, like, getting, like, a later warm-up period that everyone was, everyone was, like, so, like, scattering and stuff. Like, we were just running out there, and we were just so grateful that we were going to be able to give in, um, that we were going to be given the chance to compete. And at that moment, it felt like we had already won. We hadn't even competed, but we, like, 
we felt like we'd won already because we were going to be able to compete. And so we had our own warm-up period separate from everyone else to finish the other events. Um, so everyone just kind of went through, got what they needed to get done, warmed up, and then the two people on our team that were contact traced, um, they had to be double masked, I believe, and they, when they competed, they would compete and then be taken away every time. So they weren't <laughs> allowed to, like, stay with the team, and they had to be very far from the team when they were with us, so... That was kind of, I'm sure that was a whole nother experience for them because, you know, usually we're all together, well, we're socially distanced, but we're all together and we're like cheering. So that had to be hard competing for them, just being like alone and then being, having to go away from us after into who knows where. Yeah. No, that, that's a ridiculous situation when it's like one of the biggest meets of your life. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you already won. So in a way, I mean, it presents a huge disadvantage to only be able to warm up 20 minutes when you usually get 15 minutes per each event but in a way it's also an advantage because you went in I guess a bit more relaxed in a way yeah because it felt like well the worst of it's already over the the alternative could be you're not competing at all so you might as well take advantage of this and you know nothing can be worse than that yeah that's awesome um and obviously I mean your team ended up placing third at the semis but then you individually became a, a national champion, and that's the first time. You're, you're the only national <laughs> champion in Cal Gym history, so what was that experience like for you? Um, take me through the, the event on Uneven Bars and, and what that was like. Yeah, so um, it's kind of funny because I remember having, like, issues in training with bars specifically. Like, my routines just, like, kind of were off. But I remember that day... You know, given the circumstances of our warm-up, I was no longer really that stressed about it. Obviously, I was like, oh, this is nationals. But I was just like, well, you're here finally. You know, I didn't really have many nerves or, or like, compared to how many, or how much I usually have. So that was kind of weird going into the routine, and it just felt, like, natural. Like, I trained for it. it. It's just, like, muscle memory at that point. And I remember sticking my dismount and thinking, like, wow, those are, like, pretty good routine. <laughs> and then I stuck it, and I didn't think anything of it because for us, you know, you, you don't find out that you won until the last session had to go. So a whole another four teams had to go. And it was basically if my score held up, then I would become a national champion. And I ended up tying. Um... But I remember thinking, like, do not, like, I hated when anyone would say, like, oh, my gosh, you're going to be a national champion. Oh, my gosh, like, that's, like, you did it. I was like, no, don't say that now. Don't, because I didn't want to get my hopes up. And then someone goes and, like, tops my score. So I actually did not um, get ready for the ceremony because I was so convinced. And I was like, oh, don't get ready because that's going to be weird if, like, you get ready and then someone else beats your score. So I didn't get ready because I just didn't want to, like, let myself believe that I won and maybe that goes back to like the sort of like imposter syndrome but so we get to the arena we're watching the end of the second event and I remember seeing um one of Utah's gymnasts she tied with me she tied my score so we both became national champions but I remember thinking there is no way like that is crazy and I just was like overwhelmed with this sense of just gratefulness and then I was just honestly proud to be part of my team and it didn't feel like like honestly when I did the routine it felt like any routine at practice <laughs> yeah and so something that I feel like 
connects with what you've been saying is that it's not over until it's over. In yeah. the same way that, all right, maybe you're going to be a national champion, but you're like, no, it's not over until it's yeah. over, you know? <laughs> to me, there's two things that stand out uh, from that, especially with uh, gymnastics, which is one that you can tie to be a national champion. That's interesting. And then yeah. the second is, I told this to Caleb as well, how subjective the sport is um, with the judges and how they mm-hmm. just give well I mean I know it's not random but yeah. like they give a number to your score and that's that because if you look at other sports for example with soccer whoever puts the ball puts most more balls in the net yeah ends up winning and that's it and for you guys it's like you can tie uh, it's all up to an opinion at the end of the day and yeah it's just interesting that it works that way but it's incredible that it that I mean you were able to accomplish that and that you I mean, I don't know, just made history with Callan and congratulations on that. That was really Thank special. You. And I remember watching, we were all in the, we were watching the semis in, where was it? The athletic training room. And That's we were, so exciting that you guys are watching Yeah, this. yeah. I was watching it with uh, our, our athletic trainer. So back then I was in there a lot because of my knee and mm-hmm. we were like, yeah, it's, uh, it's like a sick meet. They're, they're doing so well this season. Um, and he graduated from Michigan, who I know was in your semifinal as well. Yeah. So, so he was like, go Cal, but if Michigan <laughs> goes through as well, then that's fine. Um, so, yeah, we were watching, and I remember like, oh, you won. And, and everybody was just so excited because, I mean, like I said, it's not only special to see someone from Cal become a national champion, but like the first one in history. That's so cool. So congratulations on Thank that. Thank you so much. Um some another thing that I've been mentioning quite a lot recently is something called meditate on the immensity of just like realizing how incredible a specific situation is or or your life and just stepping away so if you're so focused on everything you take a step back and you're like whoa like this is the reality of what I'm living through did you get a chance to do that with this national championship what was your mentality right after that was it celebrate was it let it sink in what what was that like I feel like it took so long to sink in because it happened and it's like I almost had to like keep reminding myself that that was like actually something I did um because it definitely like I didn't feel any different I didn't feel like oh like I'm so great now or you know it just felt like another routine and it just happened to be at nationals um but it did take a long time I feel like to sink in and just like the reality of, I feel like a lot of times I like get caught up in what I'm doing and I forget like how crazy it is that I'm at this university competing at this level and just like with my teammates and I feel like I can definitely take that for granted sometimes so it's always good to take a step back. Yeah, it is It is very important to take a step back and it, I watched a, a video recently um, that said it's from um, a TEDx speech from 2011 and it said that our chances of being born are 400 trillion to one (laughs) and that just puts you into perspective of like wow being on earth is a privilege but then you add on top of that like being in the health that we're in especially after a pandemic and our privileged situation is like on top of that the the odds it's like all right even greater like even less of odds uh, being more odds being against us yeah and then being at a university like this one competing at this one it's like wow and then a national championship it's like that's just incredible to reflect on and, and how special that is and obviously the odds are very much against it but I feel like like you said taking that step back it must take a long time for it to sink in and yeah it's very special but I feel like something that was very cool like I said 
I'm only mentioning this from what I see. <laughs> I've never experienced it, but something that is nice for you guys to reflect on um, your national championship is the national championship week here at Cal, which was this semester. Yeah. Did that help have things sink in for you? Um, definitely. I actually didn't know that was a thing Me neither. until well, <laughs> yeah, until this year, and I thought that was very cool and. Um, it definitely helps things sink in because I was, I guess, constantly just being reminded that that's what I did. And I actually had to give a speech to, um, the, like, basically Cal Athletics staff. And I had to basically give them the story of what happened at Nationals and, like, kind of, like, where I'd come from. And that, just telling my own story, also helped it sink in and made me realize, like, wow, you've come so far. And just, like, I had a moment to just be proud of myself. That's that's very special. Like I didn't know you guys gave that speech, mm-hmm. but I mean the the whole week it's basically you guys are celebrated. You're reminded constantly <laughs> yeah. that you did it, so that must be nice. Um, is there is there any point where you're like, wow, like this is boosting my ego, or did you not feel like a like the national champion that everybody was reminding you that you were? Um, I feel like I'm very conscious of that. I would never want to be the person who has a big ego. And I honestly think, like, that's not something that I like to, like, tell people. (laughs) I'd rather them find out on their own just because it makes me uncomfortable. And I don't know if that's, like, me as a person. I've just, I don't really like, like, a lot of attention on me, which is weird given the sport of gymnastics. Like, you go out there and it's, like, just you. But... I'm not a fan of that, so... Yeah, so for context, for people watching or listening, I mean, you you told me that you were a bit nervous for, for this and, <laughs> yeah. like, stepping out outside of your comfort zone. And it does make sense, like, you've never talked about your national championship, whether it was through the Haas application process where we met or mm-hmm. even right now until I brought it up. So it's it's just interesting, and um, obviously it has to do with your, your personality, but that's, that's cool to see. Um outside of the sport of gymnastics you're also a great student um <laughs> last semester you were in the pac-12 academic honor roll um you're in the Haas school of business and you want to tie that into some sort of pre-med eventually I'm, I'm not sure what your plans are with that but on top of that um there's also a group called gpac that, that yeah. you're in and that's gymnasts for peace action and change and it, they promote diversity and inclusion and it involves a representative from each of the eight Pac-12 teams for for gymnastics, and you're the representative for for Cal. So what is that aspect of your life like, whether it be as a student athlete, like the student side to things, and also just as a leader in your community, whether it be with GPAC or any other groups here on campus? Yeah, so GPAC, that actually, we actually started that like in light of the events of you know spring 2020 we just felt like there was a need for spreading this awareness and becoming part of the change rather than just like remaining silent um so that group we just strive to create an environment where diversity and inclusion is valued and uplifted and being a a biracial individual my mom is black my dad is white but i grew up in a predominantly white area so i wasn't really exposed to diversity and um a lot of the things, like, reflecting back on them, I'm like, oh, like, that was kind of, <laughs> maybe that was kind of racist. And, like, a lot of the things that I, like, kind of experienced, I just thought were normal until coming to Berkeley. So that really opened my eyes. And I kind of realized that a lot of those experiences that I endured, they weren't meant to be offensive. And, like, 
I genuinely think the people that were maybe like saying those things or doing those things, they didn't really mean it. They just didn't know any better, which I feel like is part of that awareness piece. Like we really need to just educate people and like spread awareness. So that's kind of where like GPAC came from and my involvement in it and why I wanted to be involved. Um, but we haven't really, it really starts like during season. So we've only met once and unfortunately I was in class at that time. So yeah, hopefully we have some good things in store for this year and we can really start some of those conversations. That was a really big um, part of, I think it was summer 2020. I, it was just like part of like starting those conversations with our team that can be uncomfortable, but we're a very diverse team. Like everyone comes from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultures. So there was a big challenge in just like kind of creating that space where people felt comfortable sharing those things and just, you know, spreading awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's very awesome and I applaud you for that. Um, I think that that is what is needed. Um, I'm not sure what your take may be on this, but you mentioned the conversations multiple times. And for me, mm -hmm. the solutions to our world's problems can be summed up through dialogue and a proper education. I yeah. feel like that's, that's what we need. And for you to be doing that and being involved in that is awesome. Like you said, it starts in season, so hopefully it can yeah. pick up soon. But that's that, the fact that you're even doing that is very awesome. So I applaud you for, for that. Thank you. Um, moving forward, season's about to start. It um, is. It feels so weird because for context for everyone, we're recording this on December 17th, which is the last day of finals for yes, us. We're officially finally. done. So I'm going home right after this. And there's Christmas, there's New Year's. But when I was listening to the interview from your coaches this morning, they were like, yeah, season starts in three weeks. And it, do <laughs> yeah. it doesn't feel like uh, January 8th is only three weeks, three weeks away. Um, but obviously that is coming up very soon. What are your goals or expectations for, for this big season? Because obviously you, build, you built up uh, freshman year individually. Mm -hmm. Sophomore year, most improved. And your team was starting to pick things up. Um, obviously the pandemic just cut that short junior year best season you guys have ever had individually you're a national champion <laughs> so what's next well that's a great question but honestly I don't like putting like expectations on myself I found that that kind of limits my performance okay. just because I feel that pressure and, and I'm only thinking about how I have to measure up instead of just going out there and doing my best and you know everything will, else will follow so I, I just have to say this year, I just want to enjoy my team and my teammates for one last time and just really enjoy the sport in general, like really appreciate every moment and chance that I have to compete and of course do it to the best of my ability. But I think that this year for me will just be about appreciating the sport and the opportunity that's been given to me and then the rest will follow. So this is officially the, the last season. There's no fifth year, no, no anything into consideration? There is not, interesting. unfortunately. And the, the thing that's interesting to me about gymnastics is that peak age is like high school and college. After that, yeah, it's over. I think that's just because of how hard it is on your body. And to tell you the truth, like... Until recent years and Simone Biles, you know, being so great at her old age, like people call her a grandma yeah. and she's like, what, 24 or something like that. I don't know how old she is, but it's just like 20s um, in gymnastics, like the prime age is like 16 through 18 and like 
no, I want to say 15 through 18. Those are your prime years. And then once you get to college, you're like a grandma, like you're old <laughs> and your body hurts and like you have all these injuries. Like sophomore year, I had tape on like four parts of my body before I'd go out to compete. And I think it's just because of the nature of the sport. You know, we, we practice so much and the stuff that we do is not necessarily easy on your body. But that's like any sport, I feel like, too. Well, not to that extent. That's one of the reasons I admire the sport of gymnastics so much. Um, because, like, the, I mentioned at the beginning that I'm a big fan of your team. And one of the reasons I love gymnastics so much is because I literally watched the videos or the one time I, I went in person, but it's mostly, like, the live stream or the videos. And it's like, wow, I could never do that. Like, that is crazy to do. But I also understand that the toll it takes on your body and your joints especially must yeah. be ridiculous so i understand why that's the those are the prime years and it's just interesting when everybody else in different sports is like thinking about the next stage in their career or maybe just uh retiring per se but they can still participate in it but with gymnastics i feel like you can't just casually pull up and and like for us it's like pick up soccer you can't just do pick up gymnastics like you, you would get injured or do something like that so yeah that's interesting but with the toll on your body you mentioned that you guys train from seven to ten and then you have spinning and and yeah and weights which is obviously very necessary for for your fitness in this sport but another thing that you guys have is the treatment at 6 a.m yeah so we do. with with all those tolls on your body is it treatment every single day for us it's it should like, be but okay. <laughs> you like sign up for it and some days i do have to admit a lot more days than i should that i i'm like i want to sleep in so i don't go to treatment but um, typically I'll try to go twice a week and at minimum once a week just because it's like a necessity for our sport. Um, if you're not rehabbing, then you're really going to feel it the next day in the gym. Yeah. No, I, I was just asking it not because you should be there every yeah. single day. I'm asking it mostly because for us, it's like you're only in there if something happened. Otherwise, oh. you, otherwise we don't need to go to the athletic training room at all. But uh, that's, yeah, that's interesting because for us, we are... Every single one of us is expected to go, and our coaches always say, like, if you're not in treatment, then we're just going to expect that your body feels great. So unless you're going to treatment, like, yeah. we can't really help you because you're not helping yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and for us, it's like, obviously, if something does come up, then you go. But otherwise, I mean, the sport of soccer doesn't really take that much of a toll on your body like Jim does, so that's basically why why I was asking. Yeah. Um, Take me, like, just to start closing out, what's the culture like on your team? We've already talked about the chemistry. We've talked about how it's a family. But what's the level of, what's the word? of Not strictness, but, like, how much do you guys ask of each other? Is it a an environment that just pushes you to the max? Or is it more friendly and just giving you the freedom to reach your potential rather than pushing you towards it? Um, I feel like... I always feel like I'm pushed to being to be like the best version of myself and to be excellent because I feel like like I said you look around on my team and you see all Americans you see like Pac-12 gymnasty or stuff like that and so you are like no one's telling you like hey go do this go do that you need to be better in this but you just feel that and you're pushed to be that like best version of yourself um but like more like face to face and like our in our general interactions, I feel like everyone's pretty like, you know, easygoing. We're always laughing, like cracking jokes, stuff like that. So you wouldn't feel that. 
but it's like an unsaid almost like motivation I guess like everyone wants to be the best because we all want to be the best together you know yeah and and just having your teammates around you and just like you said all Americans Pac-12 gymnasts of the year yeah. uh, things like that must be so special and just a an unspoken motivator like like you just mentioned which again goes back to <laughs> hang out around people that are, that are better than you and that's yeah. what's going to happen so that's really special um with what else do I do I have in mind? I have a few other questions, but um, we already talked about cheering on each other, um, your coaches. Um, oh, this is important. <laughs> Ranking just came out. Yes. You guys are number three in the Pac-12, which is very interesting because... I thought we should be one, but... <laughs> they, we probably should, but there's eight teams in the Pac-12. You guys are third. So people would be like, all right, I mean, that's that's decent, but then you're number seven overall yeah. which says a lot about the Pac-12 if you're third in the yes. Pac-12 and seven in the Very nation yeah that, that does say, say a, a lot um your coaches this morning in the interview they said that the goal is to be able to compete with everyone and I asked you about the goals and expectations and you said you'd rather not do that but the goal is to compete with everyone what is the um aspect to things like in the Pac-12 because I know I know UCLA gymnastics has a huge reputation right but What's it like knowing that the Pac-12 is so great at gym and then nationally it just gives you a, a different standard, doesn't it? Yeah, because, I mean, in the Pac-12, it's just so competitive, you know, and I'm pretty sure those other two schools above us are UCLA and Utah. Um, and they are great schools, great gymnasts, great athletes. And so if we are competitive, like, against them, then nationally, like, we can compete against everyone, I think. Um, and we can, and I think we kind of forget, like, even I'm talking individually, I've, like, previously, how I don't think, I never think that I'm, like, that great, or I kind of have to be reminded of it. I feel like that goes for my team, too. Like, we kind of forget that we are capable of so much, and we are so good, and then we kind of look around, and we're like, oh, wow, like, we're number seven. Yeah, number seven, and last year, towards the end, this is preseason rankings, obviously, but towards the end of last season, you guys were number five. Yeah. So that that is... I mean, I understand how hard it must be, um, but that's so crazy, like, to, to realize that. Um, one of your team phrases, this is this is probably the thing I love most about your team, the phrase, one day better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Elaborate on that and, and what that means. Well, we hear that every day. I've heard that since I came here. It's actually on several pieces of our gear. Um, and that quote is just all about, you know, improving on the person that you were the day before and if you're able to do that then you're moving forward and that's all that matters and you know I feel like comparison is really hard like when I came in I was talking about how I was intimidated by how good all of my other teammates were but it's also important to realize that they're on a different journey a different path than you and you can't concern yourself with how they are doing so you just have to if you're better than you were yesterday you're doing great so and if you can do that every day even better yeah, no, that's that's awesome, and it's one of my favorite phrases by far. Yeah. I just learned about it through social media, but uh, I have a, a Peloton bike, and I'm on it pretty pretty often, and you get, like, a, a hashtag. Like, everybody gets a username and a hashtag, and that's my hashtag, one day better from it. Yeah, I love that phrase so much, and seeing how much you guys use it, I mean, um, I'm not going to say that because of that phrase, you guys are so good, but the other way around you guys are so good and the fact that you use that phrase makes a lot of sense and it yeah. adds things up um 
on a more personal personal note outside of all of this in 2018 you said that your idol is simone biles and you've mentioned her twice already um obviously her names her name was in the headlines all this year um obviously the usa gymnastics reputation is not great at all recently in recent years um but is that some like the the mental health um situation is that something that's specific to her and her team or do you think that's all around in women's gymnastics oh no that's definitely all around and I have seen it through all my teammates, and I've experienced it myself. Um, the sport is not easy, not on your body or mentally. There's definitely a lot, um, there's a huge mental aspect that maybe as someone who's observing the sport wouldn't see. But like the skills that we're doing, some of them, like if you do it wrong, you could really get hurt, you know? Um, and you could really injure yourself for life. So you have to always be checked in. And sometimes if you get in your head too much, you can think that you can just start thinking things and then you're scared of your skill and so you like you can get mental blocks and for Simone I know that in the Olympics like she had what you call like twisties which um I've experienced my teammates have experienced it's not like made up but it's just really scary and in this sport it's important to take a step back and just make sure that you're okay before you you know go into that environment every day in the gym yeah I mean I'm, I'm sure it must be extremely hard because as I mentioned it's impressive to see for me because it's like wow I would never be capable of doing that mm-hmm. but for you guys to know the risk that you're running and not only that you're a high level athlete um, you're running a huge risk but you're also putting on a show at the exact same time I know yeah. that you guys take a lot of pride in your Leos and yeah. there's like a whole show with makeup and the ballerina aspect to things in the <laughs> choreography it's an entire show like it, it's an athletic event but it's also a show for it's sure. art so it, there must be so much pressure and again it only adds to the reasons why i admire the sport and the team so much so i, I just had that question in mind because obviously it was a a huge situation that came up this year and i've never talked about it with a gymnast so that was that um also in 2018 you were asked um three adjectives to describe yourself you said disciplined driven and determined right after that you were asked what you love most about gymnastics and that is the constant challenge obviously those all make sense they all make sense but through your experiences at cal have has that changed at all between your three adjectives and what you love most about the sport um i think what i would add to what i love about the sport is the connections that you make with people and the lifelong relationships that i'm i'm sure i will have like all my teammates at my wedding honestly so i would definitely add that to it but the challenging aspect never goes away like i never feel like oh i've like i've mastered my sport i there's nothing i can learn like there's always a new skill and every day there's always something else that might be harder than it was the other day so yeah yeah i'm sure it's Although a collegiate experience does add a lot of value to your career, I feel like with gym, it's it's the same challenge over and over and again. <laughs> it must be nice because even though it's the same word, challenge, you're always leveling up and there's a new challenge ahead right. and something else to chase for. And I don't know, that's very <laughs> cool about the sport. I feel like it, it applies to any sport and anything in life, but that must be awesome. Um, you already mentioned it's, it's the last year. Yeah. Any thoughts go like right before you start in in a few weeks 
Um, I mean, I'm kind of, it's like bittersweet, you know, I'm sad, but it's also, it's been a long journey. My body could not be more excited, but like me as a person, I'm definitely sad to, it was such a, it's such a big aspect of my life, you know, and it's definitely part of my identity now, but you know, I don't see myself as only a gymnast, so that's good, but it's also just going to be hard not having to go to practice every day or not even like having but not having that like structure in my life is going to be difficult I, I feel like it's the first time I'm talking to someone that like knows retirement is coming up yeah. because of the difference in sports what do you see yourself doing like athletic athletically after this you, you hang up the leotard yeah. to say it that way so the industry that I'm going in is not going to give me a lot of free time so I think that I'm going to have to be very strategic and really plan out my workouts, but I'm planning on just, you know, I really want to um, take up like Pilates or something. I don't know. I've never tried anything like that, but that might be cool. And just like motivating myself to at least work out twice a week would be great, but it's going to be hard without my teammates, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured. Um, and yes, you are much more than an athlete. You already have a job <laughs> lined up for by next summer. So congratulations Thank on you. that. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Did I did I miss anything or anything else that you'd like to add? I think you got everything. That was pretty thorough. <laughs> cool. Um, well, this is getting posted on the 10th of January, but okay. on the 8th of January, you guys have your first meet, the College Invitational in Anaheim. Yes. Um, actually, I, I just saw that, I think it was yesterday or mm -hmm. th this week, a few days ago. Um, and my sister doesn't do gymnastics, but she's always enjoyed watching it, and we've never been to an event so we are will you be coming there. yes are you really? that is, i mean it's three weeks away but that's the plan we will drive up <laughs> i would to love Anaheim. that our team would love that because i feel like sometimes when we have meets in berkeley either i feel like not a lot of people know about them or it's kind of hard to get to berkeley if you're like just like a club gymnast in a local gym like i don't know i feel like parking and everything maybe deter people from coming and i just feel like we don't get a lot of people to come so anyone that comes come to our meets please. yeah no i mean i will for sure i already i already checked out the schedules for the sports that i mentioned like yeah. track hasn't come out yet but like gym and swimming like i know for sure which which ones i'm going That's to awesome. and i will be there in the spring but starting with the anaheim one the goal mm -hmm. is to be there with with my sister so that she can check that out and also because i want to be yeah. able to watch there in person so i'll be cheering there but it's also <laughs> special because like like i've mentioned i admire your, te your team i admire you all the hard work you guys put in and i just think that it's it's awesome to see empowered women compete at such a high level but not only that for me it's like I want my sister to see that, you know, and, and yeah. to, to know that the same way that I admire you guys, like she can have someone to look up to and admire as well. So I'm really excited for that. And I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to hopefully being there. Um, I'm but, excited but too. Yeah. So hopefully that, that can work out and I'll see you guys there. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much. Um, to anyone that watched on YouTube or listened on Spotify, thank you so much. Um, if you found this episode to be helpful, please share it with anyone else that would be interested um please subscribe to my youtube channel follow my podcast on spotify and yeah that's pretty much it thank you so much maya thank you, thank you. um i'll see you guys all next time that's it I say bye <laughs> you can say bye if you want you can wave <laughs> thank you so much for listening to today's episode make sure to subscribe to my podcast and follow me on my personal social media accounts for more all at fer andrais all links are in the description. If this episode inspired you in any way, 
please help me out by sharing it with a friend to help them leave their dent in the universe as well. That's it for today. I'll see you all next time.